Another episode of the Annapurnaverse where we go through the back catalogue of Annapurna picture films. I feel like I don't say that enough at the beginning of episodes, so I'm going to actually say now for any potential new listeners. So there you are. This is what we do. We talk about the back catalogue of all of Annapurna's films. And joining me as always to do that is Billy. I like that professionalism there. Giving a little backstory of why we're here. Yeah, because can you... Somebody like finds us on Apple Podcasts and they go, Oh, I what mean the And then I and then they start the episode and I'm just like, Hi, I'm Alex, this is Billy, let's talk about this film. <laughs> and they're like, What is going on? What brought you here today? Well, yeah. Now you know. Now you know why you're here. How are you, Billy, anyway? I'm good. We just watched the BAFTAs, BAFTA we did. Sunday. Vibing. Um joining us today is Next Best Pictures, very own Nicole. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for, for coming on. We're really excited to have you as well. You're now... our first non-UK guest. Oh. oh my gosh, that makes me feel so special. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really fun. I just I realized like that just now. I'm a good bridge for like other Americans to come on because I did spend a couple of years living in the UK. So oh. <laughs> No way, like, where did you live? I well, So I spent... I was all over the place during school, essentially. I spent a summer living in Brighton, and I spent a semester uh, at St. Andrews up in Scotland, and then I lived in London for about a year. Oh my goodness, I had no idea about that. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm like a good transitional person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's it. Now, you'll only have American people in the Annapurnaverse yeah. from now on from this moment. Now that, now that I've crossed over the ocean as well, <laughs> exactly. Alex will also come and then it's over for you. Exactly. <laughs> Americans only, which is quite fitting considering mm-hmm. um, today's film. Now, Nicole, yes. would you like to tell the wonderful people at home? what film we're going to be talking about today on the Annapurnaverse. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Zero Dark Thirty. Indeed we are. Zero Dark Thirty, which is directed by Catherine Bigelow and starring a lot of people, but Jessica Chastain in the main role. You've also got Joel Edgerton, Mark Strong, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, um, and... Uh, yeah. Oh, Chris many, Pratt. Many other people. Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt as well. Chris Pratt, he was there. Yeah, he was there. He was there. And Zero Dark Thirty tells the decade-long story for the hunt for the leader of Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, um, all the way from the September 2001 attacks all the way up to his death at the hands of the Navy SEALs uh, Team 6 in May 2011. So, Nicole... Why did you pick Zero Dark Thirty to talk about? Okay, so here comes like a bit of a confession on my part. Um, I picked it for several reasons. One of which is that it is directed by Catherine Bigelow. I love talking about films that are directed by women. Um, and and obviously this is like a big one in terms of one that actually, you know, was very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Jessica Chastain is my queen. I love her so much. Um, she's nominated for an Oscar right now, so it also felt like good timing to to talk oh, about yeah. you know this movie as she's sort of back in conversation a lot more. And you know she's she's been um, she had obviously the eyes of Tammy Faye come out, but she also had the much talked about. Uh, well, I was going to say the much talked about scenes from a marriage, but really what everyone was just talking about was her and Oscar Isaac of Yeah. <laughs> rightfully so rightfully so exactly um but i've actually never watched this film in full before i caught like the last half hour of it on tv at one point and i thought it was like just that part was interesting but i'd never sort of actually gone back and watched all of it and i thought okay well if i sign up you know if if i say that i want to talk about this film 
then I will have to go and watch it. Okay. <laughs> and oh. I also thought it would be very interesting, obviously, as an American, for me to be the one to talk about this yes. film with you. And I also sort of wanted to to talk about it just being, um, I'm a historian by trade. I'm currently in grad school for history and Ooh. have taken some Middle Eastern classes as well. So, you know, have some sort of thoughts on this topic in general. Um that's so yeah, so cool. those, those oh are goodness. sort of all my reasons, but yeah, I was very excited to, to sort of have an excuse to, to really properly watch this. And, and also just, I always want to talk about Jessica Chastain at any given moment. So. <laughs> yep. And that is completely fair enough. So uh, me and Billy will now, well, it's usually just me making this confession um, at this moment in time. But uh, Billy is involved. I... I'm involved this time. I'm so yep. sorry to let the team down. Team, I've watched the film before. <laughs> so this is a film that neither of us had watched, um, mm-hmm. which is very rare, actually, because you've generally watched most of them. Um, yes. And yeah, I don't... I th- is this the first film neither of us have watched or has there been one before? Um, I hadn't seen... Oh, the, both of us together. Yeah, I think it is, you know. I feel like it's only ever been one-sided. Yeah. So we both watched this film together yeah, on the old Netflix. Um, we saved so our yeah. commentary as much as possible, though. So yes, we, did. we We were pretty much um, silently stunned through mm-hmm. the entire thing. Um, <laughs> for good reasons or for bad reasons, you will find out. Um, so, yeah. And I think it's really interesting because... One of the things that me and Billy were saying after we'd finished watching it is how um, how interesting it is to watch it from a perspective 10 years on from the events that it chronicles yeah. and how it would have been to watch it when it originally came out. Yes, but- we've endeavoured to find out as much information as possible. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, think. I did a lot of research and just sort of see, like, you know, how was it received at the time? How have people sort of thought about it since then? And to be honest, like, when it came out, I was in my last year of high school. So even if I'd watched it then, I don't know that I would have, like, <laughs> that many coherent thoughts on it. Mm, um, I was 13 when it came out, so I was not yep. the target audience. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Even at being like 17, I think, whenever it came out, I don't think I was who they were making this film for. Because <laughs> yeah, I think it was, was it? Did we find out if it was rated 18? I think it, it was 15 in the oh, UK. Oh, it was a 15 in the UK. Mm-hmm. So It was I, R in America, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wait, yeah. we decided we were 15, right, when it came yeah, out? Alex? We were th- yeah, so we could have watched this film. However, knowing my 15-year-old self, I don't think that I would have given it the time of day, to be quite honest. Um, (laughs) I remember being interested though because I do remember like the narrative being it was directed by a woman and led by a woman and that was uncommon for 2012 honestly yeah yeah especially I feel like to have like a a political war movie like this Mm, Um, exactly yeah so Nicole let's bring it around to you what what were your initial thoughts after watching it all the way through it's definitely a difficult watch um in like many ways there's a lot of scenes that are sort of hard to sit through I will say uh I think that Jessica Chastain is fantastic in this I I don't you know it's not my favorite role of hers but she really does bring something to this film and I think like her performance is one of the better things about this film maybe uh this cast is insane like just how many people are in it um, I will mm-hmm. say I did not realize until he showed up that Chris Pratt was in this movie. Um, it felt like a jump scare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like all of a sudden, oh my god, it's Chris Pratt. Um, I was like, oh, okay, he's here. Why is that so accurate? Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, there are some really nice sequences in this movie. Like the moment that she confirms that the corpse is Bin Laden. Um, I think is so chilling and so well done. And I, I do remember distinctly when, it, like, I can tell you exactly where I was when I found out that Bin Laden had been killed. Yes, um, me too. Because it, like, it was such a big deal. I also will never forget that I saw it first on Tumblr. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Which yeah. says so much. 
<laughs> the age I was whenever that happened. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be real. And like went on to CNN's website and was like, oh, okay, it's real. Um, yeah. So I think like there were parts of it that just made me sort of reflect upon that and, and reflect, you know, upon all of that. I do think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this a bit. I'm fascinated by sort of some of the controversies over this movie, um, particularly in how it portrays torture and the use of torture in finding uh, bin Laden. Um, Mostly just because there were people sort of on both sides of that argument, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. You know, some people who said, oh, this was like propaganda, it's pro-torture. Other people who feel the film is too anti-torture, which was very interesting to me. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. It, it's the kind of movie that I'm very glad that I watched it, but I don't know that I would ever want to watch it again. This is exactly what I said about uh, about Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Does she just make these kind Because I'm limited on my Catherine Bigelow watch history. I feel like it's the kind of movies that she makes. Is like, I'm going to make people so uncomfortable, they're never coming back. Yeah. yeah. So to be fair, I've never seen The Hurt Locker, so Yeah, I don't know. That was the one that she was nominated herself well, for, right? It's the one she yeah. won for. Oh, of course, yes, it's yes. Yeah. History was made for the Hurt Locker, so it I feel was. like I need to get involved. But my biggest like question with this film is really the divide between because I the thing I'm so fascinated by is it came out so quickly after the real events and I'm like how did you make it because the movie's budget is 40 to 50 million so to turn out a film on that short of a budget like I feel like it's quite a small budget anyway because mid-budget movies don't exist anymore guys you're making them on one million dollars or a hundred million dollars well especially too like there are some you know pretty uh elaborate sequences in this film Mm. it's not like they turned out like a completely courtroom drama or something about this like I, it is crazy, and it's it's very interesting to sort of read into all of the um, allegations about them using classified information and how they got it, and, uh, you know, like, there, there were people in the American government who were quite upset about this film, I guess, oh, yeah. um, because they felt that it was too soon to be, um, to have as much truth in it as it does, and then other people were like, oh, no, there's too many false things in it, like, other government officials, and I was like, should is that really an issue (laughs) are you really out here like they should have gotten more state secrets (laughs) like as a a civilian i can think that but for someone in the government to say it feels very odd to me (laughs) well it's so interesting how billy you were saying that it seems strange that they did it so soon after i mean it was just a year a year or so afterwards Mm-hmm. Um, when it was released but uh, from reading the uh, trivia as I often do um, his favorite thing to do <laughs> the um, out, is the fact that they actually wrote the screenplay for this film before uh, Osama Bin Laden was killed and it was originally mm-hmm. meant to be about um, how they'd been unsuccessful in trying to find him and kill him <laughs> Oh and then obviously come May 2011, it happens and they did it. They were like, oh shit, we need to rewrite this. And um, they did. And they rewrote it and obviously include, well, made it or angled it more to be like a, oh, well, it's taken them a long time, but oh, look, they've done it kind of thing. Yeah. Then I wonder if that's like one of the like interesting parts of it is like, was it a thing of getting caught up in the, we have to make this before anybody else makes this type thing? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a, a fair assessment. Yeah, just kind of getting it out there, or or one, or maybe even the we've put so much work into like writing this screenplay that they were like, "There's we can't, we don't just want to shelve it and not do it," kind of thing. So had they shot any of it, or just written it? I don't think so. Okay. I think it was just the screenplay. But that's the thing that fascinates me so much. I'm like, how did you turn that out in a year? Like pre prod production post distribution oscars in the span of like a year and a half after the actual events like that's just crazy 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 to me it'd be interesting to see when they started filming it actually i might i might look that up yeah see yeah that's a good question 
It is crazy too to think about like with this type of cast that they were able to get them all signed on so quickly. Yeah, yeah right? it's just like <laughs> were they not booked and busy? I mean, we were trying to figure out if Chris Pratt had had his like debut into the world yet. Like, was he Chris Pratt at that point, or was this kind of like he was up and coming? <laughs> oh, right, that's true because it would be obviously uh, pre Guardians. Guardians. Uh... Yeah. I guess that brings up the question of when did, like, this is still fairly far in advance of Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't it? Yeah, maybe he was getting prepped. Like three. But so I'm like, three. I have to look up when they filmed that <laughs> so yeah, we can but... know, like, was he <laughs> in prep for that at this point? Okay, so it looks like, from what I can tell, um, Chris Pratt was cast at some point in 2013. Oh, but so I yeah, wonder. So this is like way before then. Yeah. Although this is also very interesting. At the end of 2012, one of the other people who tested for the role of Peter Quill was Joel Edgerton. Oh! Uh-huh. Interesting. They right? were going at it in Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I am the Guardian like, of the Galaxy. I'm breathing. Right? Like, <laughs> like did they me. both have a script at the same time? <laughs> like, in the breaks of this movie, they were just dressed, <laughs> running lines with each other. It's it's so interesting because, <clears throat> I mean, I've only watched Parks and Recreation once all the way through, but there was a distinct cut between two seasons where he was still pretty chubby and then came back and was buff and then obviously had to make a bunch of jokes about why he'd lost so much weight. But I right. cannot remember when that was. I wonder... When was it on oh. TV for? Like, how many years? Oh, like 10. Forever. From, From 2009? Or... Um, oh, wait. Oh, no. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Maybe it was for this. It, it could have been for this, because it is like a... 2009 oh, to 2015. Yeah, yeah so it, it could have been for this that he, like, got buff. Yeah. And... Potentially that was yeah, that might be it. Maybe then. he was doing the old um method moment. He's like, yeah. I'm gonna be the Navy SEAL. I'm gonna go on the oh Navy God. SEAL. <laughs> did 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 Chris Pratt go through Navy SEAL training? <laughs> did he? <laughs> We're asking the real question. <laughs> Do you know Someone what I'm actually so phone. I mean, this is completely detracting from the point of the episode, but I am <laughs> determined to find out why Chris Pratt was so <laughs> Wait, right, 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 right. I'm looking at the seasons now of Parks and Recreation. I can probably tell you. So I think it was the 2012 season of Parks and Recreation. Well, or the 2013 season where he comes back and he's buff and he's making jokes about the fact that he's so that just... Well, it could sense, be. They stopped it drinking aligns. beer. Yeah. Yeah, because a navy would a Navy SEAL drink beer? Yeah. <laughs> would they? Wow, probably. probably not. I don't know the rules. Maybe when they're back. <laughs> probably crack a hard seltzer just before they went on the mission. Other than uh, Chris Pratt. Right, yes, sorry, moving on from we gave him way too much airtime. Uh good luck good luck in Mario. See you later. Um, um Right. Where where do we go from there? Well I feel like torture because yeah, yeah just get right into it just because well, it's like from the opening yeah okay so well what we talk about the actual opening then which is just the the, the dark screen mm-hmm. and the real life audio uh from the 9-11 attacks which they did not get permission from the family <gasps> for apparently oh, oh, oh my goodness. oh geez okay apparently there was a that. Mm-hmm. I was reading something about like from what I remember there was basically like a big controversy because the families um, were not comfortable with the fact that those audios were used uh, and and it's I think it's one of those things where like technically they could do it because it had aired on a news station um, but, but yeah still, and I think like you would one think. of the one of the families like asked that like a certain amount of donation be made or something and they never did it. <gasps> Oh my um, goodness! That like the controversies around this film are insane, and they come from like literally all sides of the board. Like, like I was saying, you know, there's people who criticize it for like on either side of its depiction of torture. It came under fire for that. Um, there were people who thought that it wasn't true enough. People who 
thought that they were like exposing too much of the actual inner workings of these organizations. Yeah. That makes me like that just puts it all in a completely different perspective. Cause like I was already like, this is, I feel like anytime you exploit severe trauma, like that is like, you just, I don't know, it, it gives me uncomfortable vibes. But then to learn that they physically didn't even go out of their way to find out, it just kind of shows the intention um, of this film from the beginning. Yeah. And the thing is, it very purposefully sets the tone as well for what you're about to witness in, in, in literally the first scene of the film. Because mm. I remember just feeling utterly uncomfortable the moment yeah. that, that that bit ended. And then just Catherine Bigelow going, you're in the deep end, get ready to sink to the bottom. It, yeah. It is something she does, and she did it in Detroit as well. It's like a, from the first frame, she wants you to know that like where you are is not like a comfortable mm-hmm. yeah. place as an audience member. And I, I can't stop thinking now about how differently a lot of this film would play if the ending was, like, and they still haven't gotten him. Um, yeah. Because then it just feels like all of these torture scenes that we see would feel quite different. Um, yes, yeah, this is one of the comments that I've seen quite a lot is, like, a, the, the fact that they do find him kind of gives this idea that it was, like, necessary. Yeah, even though I... I do think there is some sort of effort to show that these are, you know, that they're going kind of overboard and that they're, um, you know, maybe being a little bit too happy to be doing what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does sort of feel like that's a point that could have been made much better. I saw someone on Letterboxd, um, I think it was Katie Walsh, uh, suggested that it would be an interesting thing to pair this film with the report. Um, yes, I said this to Alex last night. When we were yeah, watching. I think that, and I think that's a good idea to sort of give a different and a much later view on sort of you know because that was made quite recently <laughs> on sort of stuff and and on the CIA uh, yes. in particular and yeah because I I am like very uncomfortable with sort of the messaging of this film and I don't even know if all of it is sort of intentional on Catherine Bigelow's part like I don't know if I'm trying to excuse her too much but I think well have you have you seen Detroit I haven't actually so I think from watching Detroit it kind of does feel like her back she knows exactly what she's doing yeah yeah which is kind of a bit scary in a way um, and makes me feel a little bit more uncomfortable than I already did. Um, yeah. But yeah. I feel like she does know though, because it is like a thing of what Nicole was saying of like, there's an attempt and the attempt is Je- Jessica Chastain's character is like yeah. the only one we're supposed to really like is her character mm-hmm. and the rest of them. Amen. This is the thing that, yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> full stop. Amen. Basically. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think th- with because the scenes, the actual scenes themselves are incredibly barbaric, and they don't. Sh- it doesn't shine. It doesn't like turn the camera away. It doesn't suggest anything. It's oh, like it does very not turn much the camera a, away. It gets so it's, close. It's very much a th- this is happening, and you are. If Catherine Bigelow could be in the room with you and put toothpicks on your eyes, you know, like Mister Bean, to make yeah. sure that you have to watch yes. it that's that's kind of the intention and then from that i don't think it ever really goes far enough to critique it properly i agree yeah and this is why where i wonder about the the gap between 2012 when it came out and 2022 when we're watching it because there's been a lot more depictions of this stuff now Mm. and because of the rise of social media and stuff and it's more on our timelines and it's more something we're seeing all the time that when we see it so like like so close up like that and we're so inside of it I feel like she thought and maybe she was because as I said I was too young to really be paying attention she thought she was doing something like revolutionary with it in the sense that it had not been done on screen before like right it felt I I don't know I feel like too at the time that this was made we didn't really know obviously they didn't know how things were going to go in the middle east over the next decade Mm. i think 
particularly in America, whenever they got Bin Laden, it kind of felt like, well, that's it. We're done. Like, we yeah. fixed everything. Like, the SEALs were literally like, and now we have fixed the world. Um, yeah. And there was sort of that idea that, like, okay, cool, everything's going to be fine now because Bin Laden's dead. And I think, obviously, now in 2022, like, we know that that's very much not the case. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I even said this to Bill yesterday, how... Obviously, because the film came out in 2012, it almost seemed like a congratulations to America. I definitely think that's sort of the idea behind it. And then retrospectively, now from 10 years later, with everything that's happened and is happening currently in those same areas of the world, it's very much like, well, it isn't as easy as going everything was okay in the end because it wasn't and still isn't. So yeah. Exactly. I think that that's the one of the things that like put a really icky taste in my mouth from the beginning is like I really rely on characters to get me through a film and like I have to fall in love with characters and I just don't think there was like anyone to really root for and I know it was supposed to be Je- Jessica Chastain but like it spent this is kind of like my biggest problem with it is it spent too much being like it's about bin laden but like it's also about jessica chastain and i feel like that i it was probably actually the rewrite i feel like something must have got lost in the rewrite to get this out that meant it was no longer really about her and it became about this mission yeah i wish that they'd given us like a bit more of her as a character in this because I think that Jessica does a fantastic job with what she has and she has this you know intensity to her and this like real sense of intelligence about her that I think you know does um a a bit towards sort of us believing that this character is capable of sort of the things that she's piecing together um without it ever seeming like she's acting too hard if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um I think a lot of actresses it would have come off as more like performancey and she's able to sort of let her her performance take a back role to what's going on but at the same time it feels like the script is giving us nothing yes I feel that Mike like my one question throughout the whole film was like what are the stakes here because it didn't feel particularly high that whether they whether they got him or not and like if that was the narrative because it was like were the stakes her reputation in the company and like the men believing her or was it like physically getting the job done like and I think that that's why when it got to the end it just felt a little bit like I don't know I felt really just like lost and confused by the end I do think that what they do, like what Catherine Bigelow does well, is that there is a real sense of tension throughout a lot of it. And I think there's like a real sense of danger. Um, You know, like the atmosphere of it is quite good, even though it is sort of like, I don't really understand what the personal stakes are for any of these people, other than like, you know, they're in a a pretty dangerous place. Um, And as we see in it like could really get killed at any moment um and i wish that we had a little bit more of like some sort of personal motivation for jessica chastain's character but i do think that you know sort of the general particularly i will say the sequence with the actual seals raiding like his base and finding Mm -hmm. him is so intense um and the way that it's shot you know in the dark and all of that is really gripping but it kind of felt like i didn't need a lot of what came before that yeah it could have been like a short film in a sense but this is interesting because i didn't feel that i really didn't feel the tension where i feel like i felt like i should have i was like the whole this is the climax like this is what the whole movie has been leading up to and i just I think it was because I was so grossed out by what they showed us mm. and like these horrible men, like doing these things. These It's like, you're actually doing the complete opposite of what you want to do. Like you, I don't know. I don't know what her intention was with that scene because it's like, if I'm supposed to be rooting for them to get to the end and like get Bin Laden, then like she did not do her job yeah. for me personally. Yeah, it is. Um, well, 
I wish I'd have been able, again, I kind of agree with Billy, I wish I'd have been able to feel the tension because I didn't really get that at all. And even in the the closing sequence, which is about, what, 25 minutes long or so, mm-hmm. um, I think, again, to echo what Billy said, I was so uncomfortable with what I was seeing that it kind of completely took me out of it. I genuinely think part of my tension was waiting to see, like, just, like, and this is going to sound funny, but, like, waiting to see just how bad these soldiers were going to be to Mm. the people that they found in there. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I I truly felt like at any moment one of them was going to just, you know, blast somebody's head off. Um, And I think that was my thing, is I was, like, I felt such a, like, weird distrust of them. Oh, completely. yeah. I was so on edge. And I think that's another weird thing as well because obviously this um this film is framing them to be the heroes, right? Mhm. As much as it's framing Jessica Chastain's character to also be like the kind of savior of of the day because it was it was her and her determination to get to get the the intel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly her mission. But it really was like these are the men who went on the ground and got and and did it and did the job. But after watching that sequence and seeing what they do and seeing how brutal they were and how and obviously that's down to Catherine Bigelow's direction as well. Yeah, it it didn't make them feel like heroes. And then the bit afterwards where they're kind of reconvening and or like cheering and saying oh we're gonna go get a beer and um something about having sex with women or whatever and it just all felt a bit jeery and kind of well are we meant to like them or are we meant to are we meant to kind of i don't know it's i don't know whether yeah i feel like i get what you mean because i i know in my heart i was like i could make it very the very clear argument that she didn't want us to like them at any point and the whole point was that like there was no real winner out of this and that but like what you said Alex about like they're being framed as is like I feel like at points they were and therefore like I was never on board with anything that they were doing I do appreciate in some way though that particularly for the time that it was made that it didn't sort of sanitize what they were doing yeah um Because I think that that's like a different director, I think, would have shown them as being more heroic. And, you know. Yeah, I suppose you make a fair point with that. And I think, like, so that obviously, like, how it was taken at the time that it came out is different. But I think, like, what's nice about it is that anyone watching it now, it's very easy to have the sort of reaction that I think we're all having in terms of, like, wow, here come these terrible men doing terrible things. Um, And. And I, I can easily see a way in which this could have been made that was less open about what that actually looked like. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And then yeah. it would have just gone the complete opposite way of people being like, how could you? But then it's like, a, I think that that's the thing with Bigelow's direction is she leaves no room for the middle ground. Yeah. And she knows that that's her intention the whole way through, that it kind of just, some it I, I don't know if she like, purposefully directs for the controversy and not because not in like an outrageous way as in like she wants to be consistently pushing the boundaries of what we tolerate in this world and what we accept Mm. as as true and false and obviously this film was not made for like us being that age it's it's so interesting isn't it because we we're all we're especially now in 2022 we live in a world where we because of things like social media and the news and everything we're so desensitized to that kind of violence and um brutalness and and horror um yeah that maybe that was her point like the well you see this every day so maybe i'm just gonna um, like like Nicole you were saying don't mince the words just show it as it is yeah I think some of that comes from like some of that you know desensitization comes from the news coverage of you know the war in the Middle East 
like it's it's that thing that like we're desensitized to it enough that we can see this in a movie and not really you know I, I don't want to see don't bat an eye but like it's not you know completely shocking and I think that that's because of what we saw during the decade that this is depicting which is like a really weird almost like meta part to it hmm. so I was gonna say because we put out a tweet we don't always do this but this time we did because we wanted to see a div- if there was a clear divide between mm. people who saw it during the time and people who've seen it more recently and I had a response from someone called Joshua Biho um he has a podcast called Decarceration Nation um and he what he had to say was I hated its embrace of rendition and torture it seemed like a celebration of American exceptionalism because in the end they got bin Laden uh, I wish it has had been as honest about the cost to civilian populations in Iraq and Afghanistan about the many detainees who were innocent. And he said, that being said, well-made film with one of our best actresses as the main player, but this, but that it was done so well kind of makes it more disturbing to me. And I asked him, I was like, oh, this is like really interesting take. Like, when did you see it? Did you see it when it came out? And he was actually incarcerated when it came out. But he saw it in 2013, which is still very close to mm-hmm. release. Um, and I just think that that goes to show that, like, it, I feel like it depended on how well versed you were in these issues, that how you were going to respond to it. Yeah, and I think yeah. this, this, what Joshua says there is very much the epitome of this film. It is kind of the um what's the word it really gets to the bottom of it in terms of the fact that when it when people talk about this film and i feel like some of the other responses reflect that as well that we that we got in the fact that it was everyone's like oh well the content of it is you know um controversial you know whether you watched it back when it first came out or whether you watched it more recently or whatever in the years afterwards um but even so, it's still a really well-made film. And I don't know if, I, I don't know whether... Alex, speak your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Just <laughs> let it out. <laughs> well, I'm not so sure if I think it was an, an, a very well-made film. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, to me, it feels like it's well-made on a level of like, um, the sound editing is quite good. And some of the things on, like, that sort of craft level. But I don't know that from, like, a script and directing basis, I would say it's well made. Yeah. And obviously, Nicole, you were talking before about the the final sequence and obviously how it's in the dark and that kind of stuff. And Billy can attest to this, that (laughs) during that whole sequence, I was genuinely every 30 seconds or so going, what's going on? I cannot see a thing that is happening right now. Um, yeah and I don't know if that's like a we needed to see it on a bigger screen type thing it this film yeah. is not made for small screen viewing I, I, I think it's like very obvious because like things like Netflix and streamers weren't really taken off in 2012 and so like it was obviously mm-hmm. made for the cinema but equally like there are films that had been made before that that you could easily and it was true I think it was it was just very and I don't know if that was part of it as like being jarring and not being able to figure out if they were going to do it and like around every corner there was this potential tension but it does really take you out of it yeah I yeah I just felt very disgruntled by the end of it because (laughs) it was the whole sequence where I couldn't really tell what was going on and whether I I mean like Billy said whether that was whether because we watched on Netflix or whatever um and then once that scene had finished it was the scene where all the soldiers were kind of buddying up and congratulating each other and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like this is everyone's general consensus is Jessica Chastain, fantastic. The rest, mm. questionable. Though we've had some like things like people calling it compelling and that it, um, yeah, and like calling out the timeline of it, saying that it's weird that it came out so quickly. And that is true. Like, I feel like that happened with quite a lot of things as in like there was a lot of media made about it even like right after 9-11 like there was media made about that and it's like by the time we've got to that point 
obviously it's the first movie made about the mission or I think it is anyway I don't I don't know that for mm-hmm. sure but I would assume I don't know I just I, I really don't know what the point of this film was and that may be like really flippant to say about something that was so monumental for people around the world but I just it's it's the it's the leading character that should have brought us into that and then we spoke about this in our last episode which was about David O. Russell's joy uh, a denomination of movies called girl boss movies mm. and it feels like at times it was trying to be a girl boss movie which is just massively inappropriate I don't know yeah. I also I almost feel like and this might sound so cynical I almost feel like they made this character a woman um to sort of make it feel like harder to criticize her because I feel like if you had a man in this role it'd be much easier to be like well you know this character sucks like was she actually like in the narrative of life is is it a real is she a real lady let's see don't think I believe she's like a sort of amalgamation of of uh, multiple people yeah which I guess makes sense though because doing it that close together you probably wouldn't be depicting actual people um yeah I wonder if in the original script she was like always a woman or if it was like now that we've got this narrative yeah because I guess in the first version of the script it it doesn't make it like much better but because they don't get him in the end it's like a well, something's in this movie. It's not just about Bin Laden. It's like about this woman's struggle to be heard in this mm-hmm. world. But then, like, if you're making it, if you're adding some kind of fiction to an otherwise true story, then something's getting lost in the tone. Because, like, is it about that or is it about the fact that this woman was just like struggling to get heard in this male-dominated world? Right. It feels like a strange thing to cross in with. <laughs> It, it must have been an, an active and purposeful choice. And like you said, Nicole, about how it, I suppose, makes it more palatable in a way. Um, and like you say, being able to um, emotionally invest yourself in, in a character. You can emotionally invest yourself in Jessica Chastain because, well, she's Jessica Chastain. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel uh, like it goes back to that thing of like at the time these movies were not being made for women or by women. Mm. And so like there was a desire to put like these ma- like these do- like missions and things and not dominated entirely. Though like obviously she was always the only woman in the room. She was the one like being put on the side and she wasn't even allowed to just, like sit at the table at some points. And it's like those yeah. like tiny moments of like is what threw me off and then at the at the end when she's like she goes into the plane and it's like the final frame of her kind of sat in this plane and the guy is like oh you must be really important if you've got the whole plane to yourself and it's like I don't know I always imagine that like final scenes in movies kind of tell us what we were supposed to be feeling the whole time and it's like but I was just spending 25 minutes in the dark with the navy seals and I'm still thinking about that like I can't even begin to emotionally process what she was going through I do think that maybe there is, I mean, to give it like a little bit more of a generous reading, I do think maybe there is some sort of point about with the fact that it ends that way, that, you know, here's this woman who sort of has dedicated 10 years of her life to this and they do it and it's sort of like, okay, and so what? Like, and I do think there's something to be said, I think that that in many ways like sort of mirrors the fact that America spent. 10 years sort of obsessed with the idea of killing bin laden and out for revenge because you know like we do start with that clip of the 9-11 recordings and america spent like 10 years with this idea that like if we could you know kill bin laden then we would get revenge for what happened on 9-11 and um save our all you know all of our problems and and whatnot and then they killed him and it was sort of like oh okay well it's not the victory that we thought it was yeah I can see that her like almost she was kind of the surrogate for like an alternative reading because 
everyone around her was quite literally like laughing and joking and like Mm -hmm. doing exactly what Alex said about the celebrations while she like walked through them all and not one of them was like because in in like a different version of this movie you'd be getting like the slap on the back like well done you did this like you kind of figured all of this out and then like she it's exactly what you said she spent 10 years doing something and then just all of a sudden it's like oh and that's it like now she's just like that's something that because she obviously goes to look in the bag and it's like that's the last image of this like memory that she's gonna have is like looking at kind of what she had done in a way yeah and we've seen we do there is that part in the film where she has the other agent who's a like a, a friend of hers you know um yes who gets killed and i think that seeing her sort of go through that personal loss on this journey to achieve this and then how sort of it almost feels like and i wish that it actually sort of drove this home because i think it could like this film for me is so close to being something good because i think with like just some tweaks to the screenplay it could have made some really interesting statements about how this was in many ways like a really empty victory um and how america in its like zeal to sort of get revenge for what had happened or whatever um completely compromised whatever morals it pretended to have um but it never like quite goes there fully enough yeah that's precisely exactly how i feel it's like because watching it in retrospect i was like this is definitely so all over the place like the depictions of torch like all of these things that we so know now to, like we know so much truth about mm-hmm. and it's I feel like it's original and unique to this generation who have kind of had the privilege of like well the privilege and the curse of, of seeing everything in real time around yeah. the world consistently always every single day like floods and floods and floods of information that's just like not what humans are built for and it's like yeah exactly what you're saying is like there's a version of this movie that really really works but just because of the fact that I'm looking at it in the sense that this came out a year and a half later people had not had enough time yet I really do wonder if this movie had come out like you know two years later even Mm. if it could have been more of that version um yeah what I've think is interesting about that though is that if they hadn't have made that film when they made it would they have just you know as events continue to happen would they have just been like oh maybe we should just scrap it again and rewrite and then something else happens and it's like oh well we could add this into the story as well and then blah 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 until well even just now yeah I think it's the thing of like true to life stories is you have to stop somewhere yeah Yeah. even if like obviously like their end was him getting killed because that's the physical end to a life but like most of the time the person's still living on beyond there like with joy that we spoke about Mm -hmm. last week a true life story but she survives at the end and there's more of the story and we get to like her present day but we go back to the the past of the present time of the movie it's like where at this point if not then where was it going to end because we had the unfortunate events happen just a few years later um like four years later for example in the UK in Manchester and then even before then in in Paris um and things like that so it's like a was there ever an appropriate time well in the world that we're living through is there really an appropriate time to be telling this story and I know that there was like an alternative torture read with the Mauritanian which came out what last year yeah. the year before which is interesting because then that also begs the question of is there an ever an inappropriate time to tell a story like that precisely is there do we know <laughs> is there an answer or shall to that I say question appropriate sure. i meant appropriate is there ever an appropriate time to tell a story yes, like that? yes that's yeah. what i meant yeah hmm. yeah i think it's i think it comes a lot i think a lot of it comes down to her direction and because we'd seen and spoken about Detroit before, I feel like it just happens to be more prevalent in our memory that we can like draw similarities between those things. Like she's very interested in in how in placing the audience inside of these scenarios that they will never see inside of. Yeah. And being like, this is what it's actually like. But it's like, but equally it's not because it's a movie and it's, uh, to some extent 
it's not even like that torture which as as disgusting as it is is not even a fraction of what it's actually like it's like 10 billion times worse so it's like you can't I don't know I don't know what I want from it I think that's what I've like come away thinking is like if I have so much critique for it what did I want instead and I don't really know that I have an answer for that it's a tough one yeah it's a tough one (laughs) it really is a tough one the rest of my notes are honestly just about Jessica Chastain yeah i mean then there we are jessica chastain i don't know because what had she done before this like what was the film that led her from here to here because i know that i've seen her in like a lot of things but x-men no i'm joking yeah Um, (laughs) lawless lawless we just spoke about lawless damn yeah we just spoke about lawless about six months ago let's see when did she start acting her first role was in 2004 she yes. did some like TV, TV stuff. stuff. Yeah. First movie was two thousand eight, so this is still kind of relatively early in her career. She'd done a lot up yeah. until that point, but like still. Quite oh, early. you know what it is? It was right after she had that crazy year in twenty eleven, yes. where she had one, two, three, four, five, six movies come out. Yes, Which it's is so wild. interesting, isn't it? That just four years into her career she could command a film like she does here i mean this was the year after the help yeah which is it's kind of crazy to think about going like because that was i guess probably her like most um scene movie before this yeah most probably Probably. um and probably what most people like associated her with Mm. and to go from that to this film is insane yeah i feel like like, maybe the public eye catherine bigelow like was watching and was like we're gonna do this together yeah was she not she was nominated for zero dark 30 was she not she it, i think we mentioned that, that it was the only nomination that it got no um it oh. no because it won for sound oh, it and did. it was nominated jessica chastain was nominated and i think it had like it was nominated for five, five categories yeah. oh yeah because it yeah it was nominated for best picture too wasn't it yeah mm-hmm. um and it, it's one of the weird times where um, it tied for sound oh, um, with Skyfall. With Sky, well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, actually. which I think is one of the like you know one of the few ties in, in Oscar history. So it was best picture, sound, um, best actress, and what screenplay. were the other two? Let's see, and screenplay, editing. screenplay, and editing. Yeah, and now that's and, yeah, interesting. That is a like- choice. I feel like it's one of those things, though, where every year there's something that goes in for screenplay that it's like, okay, they're not actually nominating, like, this screenplay. Yeah. They're just like, we liked this movie. Yeah. um, 100%. As they say in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it's the insinuation. Yeah. So this is, now it makes sense, because this was 91%, did we, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Which we found unbelievably high. Um, just in general, like I feel like it's kind of rare that films get in the 90s. Yeah. Nowadays, anyway. But like, I think that people happen to be caught up in the momentum of like the whole events that the film was like. Oh, absolutely. To look at it from an Annapurna perspective. Oh, as I think. Because obviously, you know, the, the way we cover the films um, is very erratic. There's no kind of. Um, <laughs> There's no structure to it. It, it We go here, there, backwards, everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's now starting to become clear, because obviously this along with Detroit and then, you know, films like, like Lawless as well, that there's this... Well, it's weird, isn't it, that they have this kind of weird true-to-life house style and then they just interchange that with Sausage Party. <laughs> Uh. yeah (laughs) well we said that we said maybe after doing something as heavy as zero dark 30 they were like we're on the lookout for something a little bit more light yep i did that i mean (laughs) i do think there's like you could definitely pair this together with other films in their catalog very easily it's interesting that i mean i've not seen the hurt locker but maybe somebody who has seen them all could correct me if i'm wrong 
but it does feel like the Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, and Detroit are kind of like a spiritual spiritual trilogy. Trio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely see that. I even think, though, like, if you think about this sitting with, I mean, and I don't think it works like this, but I think in terms of what the idea was, if you look at this alongside something like Bombshell, um, yeah. Mm-hmm something even something like vice maybe yeah i mean this this is vice so it would be a fascinating you know pairing but yes um yeah i can i can sort of see the the through line or like i mean compared to something like um even like destroyer which is another one of those sort of um i think it has some similarities in terms of female lead even though like obviously the character in destroyer is a lot more interesting than Jessica Chastain's character in this, but it's that same sort of idea of here's a film, like a type of movie that you don't typically see with a female lead, um, because mm-hmm. it's sort of you know grittier. Yeah. Are we spinning? I think Are we that's spinning I the think, wheel? Well, first of all, Nicole, um, what are there? What are your favorite Annapurna films? Oh, okay, my favorite Annapurna films. Um, I think my favorite favorite has to be 20th Century Women. Yes. We love to hear it. I love that cast. I love that screenplay. I love the direction. Obviously, I'm like the biggest Greta Gerwig fan. So I have to love it. Um, But other ones, I really love Her. Yeah, I think Her is such a beautiful movie. I loved If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I could rant for days about how that should have gone so much further at the oh, Oscars. Hundred um, percent. I love Booksmart. Obviously, like yes. <laughs> everything about me screams like she would love Booksmart. Um, <laughs> but then, otherwise, I was also sort of looking. I just think it's really funny. One of my favorite theater productions I actually discovered is an Annapurna production, the uh, the revival of Company. Um, yep. Yep, which uh, with uh, directed by Marianne Elliott, which I saw actually twice in London. Um, I've not seen it on Broadway. <gasps> oh, wow. um, but yeah, and then I also discovered, which I did not know this, but I was I was clicking around on their website and discovered that um, they also are a, they made Pam and Tommy, which yes. did fascinating. I did not realize that that came from them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think like I I like a lot of of different work that they that they've done, and I I really like Annapurna in that I do feel like there are some companies. Um, I'm not like trying to shade A24 and saying that's or really <laughs> but that make stuff that all feels quite the same. Um, whereas I feel like Annapurna has a lot of like nice variety in it, you know, yes. like. Particularly, like, if you look at the list of movies that I said, even, like, mm-hmm. from Booksmart to to If Beale Street Could Talk to Her to it, Zero Dark Thirty is quite a lot of variety, actually. It, it's funny, isn't it? Because if A24 and Annapurna were people, A24 would be yes. methodically putting eggs into a basket and making yep. sure that they were safe and okay. And Annapurna <laughs> yep. would be in the corner smashing the throwing, eggs throwing darts at a dartboard going, well, what's next? <laughs> It does, but Truly. I like it because sometimes they pair up and they make a beautiful baby like 20th Century Women. Yep, yep. True, true. So I'm asking, once true. again, I am asking for the wheel to pick <laughs> 20th Century Women. Well, this what is interesting, film. isn't it? Because now it is time to spin time. the wheel. Oh, I'm so sad. Um, I get so nervous. Maybe my presence is like a good, a good oh, old 20th Century I'm Women. Praying. <laughs> I've been waiting because Alex hasn't seen it yet. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And that's why it's such a big deal. (sighs) Although I will say it did give me like a low-key existential crisis the first time. Oh, 100%. (laughs) A hundred percent. Okay. It's like, oh, here we go. As RuPaul would say, salads! (laughs) (laughs) Bring back my wheel. My wheel. (laughs) Um, The next film we will be covering here on the Annapurnaverse is a film directed by Boots Riley. That's correct. Oh. It is Sorry to Bother You. Interesting. Ooh. Have you seen it, Nicole? I actually haven't. It's been on my watch list for forever. I feel like now yes. I'm going to have to watch it so I can listen to your episode. So. Yeah, you can watch along with it. I saw it. Oh, I won't give any. Yeah, Come back next week spoilers. to find out yeah. when I saw it for the first time. <laughs> 
Well, there we have it. Right to the end of another episode. Now, before we go, Nicole, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Um, You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Nicole Ackman 16. I have a link tree in all of those places with links to the different places that I podcast and write. Um, But my main place that you can find me podcasting and writing reviews is over at Next Best Picture. And thank you both so much for having me on. Thank you for for letting me discuss this movie with you and give give my American opinion on it. Thank you you so much. We appreciate it. We're always grateful whenever anyone like takes time to come and talk to us. Perfect. And we welcome you back any other time. So Nicole, take it away. We will see you across the Annapurnaverse. Why are we surrounded by...